0: Good morning church. Stand with us this morning. It's good to see you all. you excited to worship Jesus today? We love you Jesus. Oh we love you Jesus. We praise you Lord. Come on sing this with me. When I'm in the roughest waters, I won't go under, I won't try. When I'm in, over my head, I know that you won't let me down. When I'm broken, and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to something good. this valley, you go before me, you are here, for I know you'll never leave me, your love surrounds me, I won't fail, when I'm broken, In down to you are Jesus through the darkest night Oh, you're so, so, so good, good jesus, jesus. Thank you, Lord. sometimes on this journey i get lost in my mistake Canvas forestry. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Feel you want to find me, that's what my father does. Feel you want to find me, that's what my father does. shame at the door it ain't welcome anymore you will be the father's house arrival's oh, yes. not the end game the journey's where you are want wanted perfect. You just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over. If the story isn't good, failures never final when the Father's in. Come on. Yeah. Failures never final when the Father's in. Come on, sing this with me. Miracles come home, the helpless find hope. Love is on the move, when the fire in the in. Yeah, miracles take to life, life the dead come, come to life. life. Love is on the move. When the Father's in the room Miracles take place The cynical find faith We Jesus. amount to your desire you're the one who never leaves the one behind
1: amen amen god is good amen god is good he is worthy of all of our praises we worship you, O oh God. We praise your holy name. You are awesome, glorious. Oh, how good he is. Even though 2020 is bad, he is still in control and he is good. He is still calling people to salvation. You know, he's still leading them. His Holy Spirit never, never stops working. He's calling. He's calling you by name. He has called us by name. Amen. That's a good, good truth right there. That's good news. God is good. We praise you, O Lord. We worship you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We worship you this morning. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. And we pray, Lord, for the lost soul that could possibly be here this morning or watching online, we pray, Lord, that you would lead them through your, through your, with your sweet Holy Spirit. And we pray, God, that you would open their eyes to see and their ears to hear the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the only person, <laughs> the only name given to us that can save our souls and we can have that promise of eternity through him. So we worship you, God. Thank you for calling us by name. You are sweet. You love us so much, and we love you. Help us in our unbelief. Help us each and every day. Help us in our anxiety and our depression. Help us, Lord. It has been so difficult these days, these seasons, this year. But you are with us. You never fail us. You're always there. So we pray, Lord, give us the strength each and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may have a seat. Welcome to Live Community Church. What a joy it is to see you here in person. I tell you, we missed you. We missed you. So it's good to see you. Um, The middle school students are dismissed to join us in the Elm Room right next to the cafe. Um, We'll see you here in a bit. So my name is uh, William Agundes. I'm the student life pastor here at LCC. And we want to welcome you to our family. This is a wonderful family. Uh, My family and I have been coming since 2012. And I tell you, there is no other family like this one. So it is a blessing such a blessing to be here at Life Community Church, and we hope that you were blessed by the worship of the songs, and now by our pastor, Randy Hewitt, as he brings the message. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Oh, well,
2: it's good to see some of you here. <laughs> it's great to gather again. It's great to be in person and get to see everybody's uh masked face try to figure out whose eyes are those who is that who is that person i kind of recognize him but i'm not sure katie foytik was sitting down on the bench outside and she had the mask on and she was facing down and i walked up and thinking, i'm pretty sure that's katie but i i'm I, I can't tell and then she looked up and you know i saw her eyes and her glasses I thought, that is katie i knew i knew it was katie I did it all along so uh yeah this here we are you know this was going to be a two-week lockdown remember that remember uh, about nine months ago they said two weeks and uh we we complied with that and we gladly complied with that and and uh uh so and i it's it's up to you but if since you're sitting there and you're not talking if you want to take your mask off uh you may if you want to keep it on you certainly you know if you want to add several more uh you know it's up to you but i figure if you can go to a restaurant and eat and be six feet away from somebody you probably can sit in church and do that probably but again who really knows so we've been talking about the kingdom of god for the last couple of weeks and what the kingdom of god means the kingdom of god is the rule and reign of god so we want to invite into our lives the kingdom of God. We want to invite into our lives the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is everywhere God's name is hallowed and where his will is done. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we hallow the name of God? We hallowed the name of God by recognizing who God is. The holiness of God, the hallowedness of God. When we think of holiness... Uh, we use the word holiness. It comes from kind of a uh, an old American uh, a, a German word meaning wholeness. So, our when we think of holy, the the the, defini- the strict definition of holy Greek of the Greek word is to be set apart. So, God is apart. God is there's nothing none like Him. There's no other gods like our God. Amen? He's wholly set apart. Because if there are other gods, those gods were created by our God. (laughs) That's a whole other thing we'll get into another time. Just throw that out there just to confuse you, okay? So today we're going to talk about the language of the kingdom. What is the language of the kingdom? The language of the kingdom of God is truth. And uh, there's probably no, I would say this, but it's probably not true that there's never been a greater time when there's such a battle for the truth. There's always a battle for the truth. From, from, from the Garden of Eden, from the dawn of time, there has been a battle for the truth. It seems to be intensified in our time. What we're experiencing now is we are not experiencing any lingering benefit of generational Christianity. Relational Christianity still exists and is still strong, and people are still coming to the Lord to be saved. But generational Christianity, where people were Christian because their parents were Christian, is passing away. Now, that's a bad thing, and it's a good thing. It's a bad thing because we're losing in our culture the, the trappings, although not authentic, the trappings of a God-fearing culture. We're, we're losing the trappings. It's like when we, you know, when we pray at a sports game. So we pray at a sports game, and both teams are praying to beat the other team. So whose prayer is God going to answer, you know? But all those kind of, those, those where we it's it's not bad, but it's a cultural accommodation. It is not a surrender of the will and word of God. It is not that we want God's way in our lives. It is kind of a cultural accommodation. But now what is happening is that those things are falling away. And what what will be left, what will be left will be more stringent and more. Fewer, but more truthful. It will be the true church. It will be those who are actually committed to Christ, not just in name only, but that are willing to count the cost. Jesus said clearly that we have to be willing to count the cost. That's not my sermon. Uh, That was just, you know, on the side. Sorry. So the kingdom of God is built upon truth. Titus 1, 2 says this. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. God cannot lie. It's it's against the very character and nature of God. God is truth. And so it's why it's so imperative for us as a people of God to be people of the truth. The kingdom of this world, we know the kingdom of this world is built on lies. Satan stole, deceived Adam and Eve, and took became the God of this world because he deceived Adam and Eve Eve into believing that God was lying. He lied and convinced them that Adam and Eve was lying. So we have to be in the kingdom. We have to be committed to God's truth, committed to the truth. Now, we have a good example of this in, in Jesus before Pilate on the night that he was betrayed and was led off to be crucified, John chapter 18, verse 33. Therefore, Pilate... Entered again into the Praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And Jesus answered, "Are you saying this of your own initiative, or did others tell you about me?" It's very interesting when the when the uh, when the criminal becomes the inquisitor. You know, when he he's actually challenging Pilate. Right? Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, "I'm not a Jew, am I?" Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly, I am a king. For this, for this I have been born. And for this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is in, of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? That's a, common, that's a common phrase today, right? What is truth? I mean, how do you define truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. So Jesus says very clearly, Verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my, my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not in of this realm. Jesus' kingdom is not a physical kingdom. Although it exists in the physical realm because it exists in eternity in all realms, it is actually different than, you know, because... Pilate is thinking, are you a king trying to take over Rome? That's the question. He's Roman. He is a emissary for Rome in Jerusalem. He's, he's been sent probably being punished for something he's done. He's been sent to Jerusalem, to this backwater place, to represent Rome, to represent Caesar. And here he is. He's, so he's saying, are you another of the many who have come to try to throw off Roman rule. And the, the numbers would have been a lot in the hundreds of people that just kept, were fighting against, eventually it came to the point that in 70 A.D. that Rome eventually totally destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D. Because of this constant barrage. So his, his job is to make sure there's no insurrection, right? That there's nobody causing trouble. Are you the king? Are you the king? Are you trying to take over? It says Jesus says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who hears my voice, Pilate said, what's truth? That's the struggle. Jesus' kingdom is eternal kingdom. What well, Jesus didn't say, he didn't say that I don't have a kingdom. He said, My kingdom is not of this realm. Jesus said, My kingdom is in the world, but it's not of the world. My kingdom is not limited to this realm. Jesus' kingdom, he said, My kingdom is not dependent upon the world structures. Your approval? He said, I. You know, he's in a sense saying to Pilate, Pilate, I'm the king. Yes, you said correctly, I am the king of the kingdom. But my kingdom is not of this realm. It's not of this world. It doesn't get its sustenance. It doesn't get its approval from men. It only has the approval of one, and that's the father. Everything comes from the father. Its existence, its sustenance comes from the father. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am the king, for this I have been born. And this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Jesus came into the world to demonstrate. A testimony is a declaration, right? Someone gives a testimony. You ever have somebody give a testimony? It's a declaration of the truth. Jesus came to declare the truth. John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm not sure if we put this next statement on the screen, but I want, I want to make sure it's there, if it's there, if it's not there. There's a truth. Nope, it's not there. Okay. So there is a truth. I count, this is kind of the, this is the gist of the sermon. So this is the main point. If you get this, then you can go to sleep. There's a truth that comes from outside the world and gives meaning to the world. The world doesn't make this truth, and it doesn't shape or change this truth. It's God's truth, and it's not a truth for me and a truth for you, but it is the truth for all of us. Unchanging, absolute. God's truth is absolute. Now today... We have a great struggle with the concept of absolute truth. Uh, In a recent survey, uh, 58% of Americans believe there's no absolute truth. And they probably believe that absolutely. (laughs) That's another point I hope to make. And that the basis of truth are factors or sources other than God. If there is truth, it's not based in what God has said. Seventy-seven percent believe right and wrong are determined by, by factors other than the Bible, which means if right and wrong are proved by factors other than the Bible, they're, they're proved by opinion. Fifty-nine percent said the Bible is not God's Word, and sixty-nine percent said people are basically good, which lets me know that sixty-nine percent of people are pretty stupid. I'm just throwing that out there, though. Uh, If you try to claim that there is absolute truth, truth that everyone should believe and everyone should follow, you will be considered misguided at best and immoral. Misguided because they believe there is no God to give absolute truth. There is no one to give absolute truth. And if there is a God, there's no way of knowing him and what he thinks. And one person's idea of what he is like is just as good as another person's idea of what he's like. So don't really believe there's a God. But If there is a God, there's no way of really knowing him. And if you do know him, your opinion of God, what you think about God, your way to God is just as good as my way to God. So to say that there's an absolute way to God is, they would say, misguided. Or immoral if you insist on absolute truth. Why? Because the claim that there's absolute truth leads to intolerance and prejudice against what others think. You can say there's many ways to God and few will disagree. I mean, everybody really loves Jesus. They love the, the things that he said. He said to love your neighbors yourself. You know, he, he said to take care of the poor. They love the things that Jesus said. They love that. What, what, they don't, what they don't like is when he said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can, you can talk about Jesus all day long. When you say that Jesus is the only way to salvation, then you offend. They're fine. Jesus is a great teacher. But when you say Jesus is the only Savior, it's a totally different mindset. It's just offensive. I, I, you know, I, I've said this before, but I've, lived, I've been a pastor here in Sunnyvale, uh, Life mean Church. Uh, this is now the 39th year of being at Life Community Church and uh, before some of y'all were born. Uh, and, uh, and the city council meets uh, once a month in Sunnyvale and they have pastors come and speak and pray before their city council meetings. I've been here 39 years. I've been invited three times. Do the math. Now, here's one thing I won't do. I'm not going to be asked to go pray somewhere and not pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> I mean, if you want somebody to pray a generic prayer, get anybody to do it. But I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that is offensive, I don't try to be offensive. I'm, I'm not trying to say it in such a way that to be offensive. But I'm going to say the only reason I have to pray <laughs> is in Jesus' name. Everything else is a waste of time. So, it's it's not offensive. It's not offensive if, if you pray generically to the Father, you know, the God who's there, out there, you know. But when you begin to talk about the Savior, it is offensive. Paul said to the Corinthians, But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles foolishness. Morality today has been defined in terms of relativism. If you don't believe that the truth you see is binding on me, if I don't believe that your truth is binding on me, then you're humble and good and moral. But if you believe that the truth you see is binding on me, then you're arrogant and intolerant and immoral. If you believe your truth, the truth, if you believe there is a truth, that should define my behavior, and it's not a truth that I have derived from my opinion, then you, because you are intolerant, you you are evil. Virtue today demands relativism. Truth is seen as the rotten root of bigotry and intolerance and prejudice. But relativism is the wholesome mother of cultural respect and tolerance and peace. It's it's everybody's tolerant. To this world, Jesus says, For this I have been born, and for this I have come to the world to testify to the truth. Jesus said, I came because there is a truth. There is an absolute truth that I have come to testify. By and large, people aren't looking for the truth that will give that can give meaning and purpose to all of life. Instead, people are trying to experience life to the full and call this experience, what they experience, they want to call what they experience the truth. It's, it's not maybe not absolute truth, but it's my truth. We call this relativism. Relativism is self-contradictory. It doesn't really work because you think about this. If you say there is no absolute truth that everyone should believe because you contradict yourself because you believe there's an absolute truth that everyone should believe. In other words, if I believe there's no absolute truth that everyone should believe, and I believe it, absolutely. It's contradictory because what's, what, you're, you made yourself the author of truth. You see, in reality, the hidden agenda of relativism is that we want to (laughs) relativize everyone else's opinion but ours. Our claim to truth is the claim to truth, but we don't want to say that. Tolerance is the moral equivalent of relativism. love is truly tolerant but how we view tolerance today is misguided tolerance is the moral equivalent of relativism if truth is relative and absolute there should be total tolerance because no viewpoint is superior to another in other words so it shouldn't offend you if you say well i believe there's many ways to god and i say well, Jesus is the only way. If, if you're truly tolerant, you're going to say, well, your view is just as good as mine. But what because my view in, was intolerant of your view, then you get to reject my view. And that's not true tolerance, is it? True to- if relativism would say, relativism and tolerance would say, every view is equal. except my view that's superior. (laughs) But to make these kind of, you know, tolerance stick, we say things like this, we have to put an absolute behind it. We will not tolerate intolerance. (laughs) It's the same as saying we absolutely reject absolutes. That's the problem with relativism. That if if there is no truth, then everybody's truth is equal, and no one really, really believes that everyone's truth is equal. God says there is a truth. Jesus says instead, there's a truth that comes from God outside the world, outside of man's input, outside of man's opinion, and it gives the world meaning and truth. It is absolute and unchanging truth that everyone should see because God has made it visible to us in Christ and in his word. And we should seek it and submit to it and believe. That's what Jesus said. Hey, guys, you know what you need to do? You need to believe in me. And they're like, I don't even know what that means. It's right. You don't even know what it means. Just believe in me. If you believe in me, as the scripture has said, out of your being shall flow rivers of living water. He said, if you'll believe in me, you're going to get it. It doesn't have to make sense for you to believe in me. Just believe in me. And if you'll believe in me, then it'll make sense. The more the world system resists the truth of God's revealed the more the world system resists the truth of god revealed in jesus christ the more deluded and deceived the world becomes this is romans chapter 1 paul is writing to the to the new testament world he's writing to the romans i mean the romans are right in the thick of it they're they're there <laughs> they're at uh, at pagan central they're there where caesar is you know this is the place that's going to eventually kill paul And Paul is talking about sin and and the deception, how the world is where it is. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness, of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. God has testified to himself to us and he's done it in many different ways he does it through creation he does it through revelation for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew God They did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts, to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. The more you resist the truth of God, the more deceived you become. And when you say, I don't want God telling me what to do. You know, that's kind of what the last judgment is. The last judgment is saying where God says, okay, you're getting what you wanted. You didn't want me. You don't have me. Eternal separation from God. See, just to make this point, the hidden agenda of relativism is that it wants to relativize everybody else's claim to truth but its own. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. Jesus said, you say correctly, I am the king. For this I have been born and this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. I came to the world, I was born to testify, to demonstrate, to tell the truth. So how do we get the truth of Jesus? Well, when we read the Gospels, when we read the Word of God, we get a revelation of the truth through Jesus Christ. I mean, you know how how people have been getting saved for 2,000 years? How they've come to faith in Jesus Christ for 2,000 years? They've heard the gospel. And in hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, that what Jesus Christ came to do, and that He died on the cross, and why He died on the cross, and that at the same, you know, this is incredible because it. Uh, I love that last worship song that we did, and it's it. You can't do those kind of songs anymore because it's too wordy. It's a very wordy song. But it's it's one of those songs that I said to Lennon, "Let's do it anyway." because it's got great theology in it so uh, we love that we, we see God's truth revealed when we understand that he came and he died he rose again he ascended to the father he sent the Holy Spirit he's building his church so we see the revelation of God through Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ we understand that God has a plan to redeem mankind and to bring us into his family. We understand our eternal purpose. We understand our purpose. We understand that we're in his family and that we're co-laborers with God, that we're not just out doing our own thing, we're doing his thing. We're all called into his family, his body. And as his body, as the body of Christ together, we're supposed to accomplish together the will of God on earth. There is a purpose and a plan and a destiny. And then God has an eternal destiny for us in his purpose. When we read the Gospels, we get a picture of who Jesus is. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. John 14, 5. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Which I'm sure Jesus wanted to grab him and say, what are you talking about? Philip. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and I am in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abide in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. I love this passage in Hebrews. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom we also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is the... See, Jesus is testifying... the truth he's the exact representation of the nature of God what is God like he's like Jesus (laughs) what is God like well he dies on the cross for your sins he loves you you see but on the cross the cross is is not one-dimensional the cross is not just one thing happening The, the the cross is Eternity coming together with humanity. So on the cross, the love of God is displayed and the justice of God and the wrath of God is displayed. Because Jesus on the cross is satisfying the wrath of God. But but no man could do it. So Jesus came in the flesh. God so loved the world, he sent his only son. So at that time, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is... Is redeeming mankind. He is reconciling us to God and He is satisfying the wrath of God because we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God because the, the, the condemnation against us because we're, we've all sinned. And Jesus comes in mercy and grace and compassion and forgiveness and love and He meets the justice. And righteousness and holiness of God and there we are reconciled to God on the cross there's so much happening on the cross Jesus is testifying of the nature of God what is God like he dies for you how do we know he loves us he's willing to die for us so we 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 have this testimony Of the goodness of God he is the exact representation of his nature and he upholds all things by the word of his power Uh, you know God spoke the world into existence that word that spoken word is still what holds it together all things hold together he's the substance of all things and by him in him all things hold together you know, science knows a lot. They don't know everything. <laughs> and they don't know, they can see a lot of, they can, you know, you think of the progress that we've made in the last, you know, 100 years to be able to see what, you know, with the atom, the splitting of the atom, and be able to see even greater, to see even more into the, what the atom, you know, the makeup of atomic particles and the quarks and the neurons and the gluons and, the, you know, all the different... You know, particles uh, of Adam, be able to see all of that, but they don't know, they don't understand the forces that hold it all together. They don't understand. They don't understand why they don't understand that they see it. They, but they know that there's they know there's <laughs> things they don't know. And what what the scripture tells us that there there is something holding it together. It's God. <laughs> It's his word. Because he said, let there be, there is. And when he doesn't want there to be an is, there ain't. (laughs) It's gone. Because it solely exists on the word of his power. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. How do we know what God is like? What do we know what truth is? we look to Jesus Jesus is the word John 1 1 said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God Jesus is the word of God this is important because if Jesus came to show us the truth Jesus is the word Jesus came to show us the word if you reject the word of God you reject Jesus you cannot pick and choose the Word of God to reflect your preferences or your opinions. We don't submit the Word of God to our opinions. We submit our opinions to the Word of God. People would say, well, you know, you know the Bible's old, you know, it's ancient, it covers thousands of years, different authors. Why should I believe the Bible? It's it's ancient. It's old fashioned idea. So is gravity. You can reject it all you want. It's the truth. How we respond to God's truth in this relativistic age, it's never been more important for us to be people of truth and people of the word. People of Jesus who are submitting our opinions to the Word of God, not submitting the Word of God to the opinions of this age. When Paul was writing to the Romans, they were in a very difficult age. And it just seems like every age is. Because every age is at war with God's truth. So we as God's people need to know where we stand. God is a God of truth. He wants us to be people not only who speak the truth, who live the truth, but people who are living under the authority of Christ in the kingdom. And the language of the kingdom is the word of God amen let's stand together if we can let's see yeah thank you jesus lord thank you that jesus came to show us the father you came to show us the truth that we would be able to walk in the truth that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free we could know you and in knowing you bring our lives in alignment with your truth. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Lord, we're so bombarded today by hundreds of messages, hundreds of beliefs that are contrary to your truth. We're constantly bombarded by things that do not line up with your word through every media we can imagine. So, Lord, help us To be so soaked in your truth, so immersed in your word and your will and your wisdom that we will be able to see the lies of this age and be people of the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. Okay, what in the...